Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This episode is from the WhatsApp Arling Palipunan Rebooted Podcast. If you like what you hear, follow WhatsApp on your podcast app for more weird and wonderful stories from Philippine history. May panahon na sadyang bahagi ng ating mga buhay ang mahika. Lumipas na ang panahon na yun. Maraming takot sa hindi maipaliwanan. Kaya ang ating pamilya ang naging tulay sa pagitan ng isang katauhan at sa mundo ng karitan. These days, there has been a resurgence in the interest in Philippine monsters. With Trese on Netflix, new horror anthologies being sold in online bookshops, as well as all the spooky stories you've ever heard as a child reaching a younger generation, Filipino folklore is having a well-deserved moment. But apart from being entertaining and spooky, our monsters are a chance to learn more about our cultures. What we fear and the stories we tell can tell us a lot about our history. What matter to our ancestors? And what matters to us today. Welcome to WhatsApp, Araling Panlipunan Rebooted, the podcast that looks at Philippine history with fresh eyes. I'm Siege Tantenko, reporter and history nerd. And I like scaring myself with spooky stories. And I'm Sab Schnabel, a historian and a comedian who has worked for Carlos Aldran, the National Museum of the Philippines, and the Guggenheim in Venice. Today, we'll be talking about our monsters, what they mean, how they shape our understanding of the world, and how our understanding of the world shaped them. We'll also talk a little bit about Trese and pop culture's interest in our monsters and myths. So today, we'll be learning all about the creatures that lurk in the shadows. So grab some garlic and some salt because this episode is gonna get scary. And I'll have to face my worst fear. Popular sources. Okay, so usually in history, we like primary sources. The sources that were written down, like an ancient inscription or a book that tells us this is it. But... When it comes to this topic, we have to get off our high-tech balang and remember that the written sources often come from the elite, the friars, and the foreigners. Folklore is a part of our history that is passed down through oral tradition. It reflects the people and is shaped by the people. Yun yung gusto naming ipaliwanag, ano, ng mabuti. Ang folklore ay tungkol sa mga pang-araw-araw na bagay na nakikita natin sa buhay. Magandang araw. Ako si Alan Dirain, kasalukuyang direktor ng Ateneo Institute of Literary Arts and Practices o ILAP. Kasalukuyang din ako nagtuturo sa pamantasang Ateneo de Manila. Alan teaches in both the Filipino and Fine Arts Department and has written and edited several books including Ang Tiktik sa Bubong, May Sigbin sa Silong, an anthology of Aswang Tales. His newest novel, Aswang Laot, is about a person who becomes an aswang. Obviously, aswang is his favorite creature from Filipino folklore. So, habang inaaral ko itong paksa na ito, no, nakikita ko na maraming pa pwedeng pag-aralan sa kanya. Napaka masalimuot o complex ng aswang bilang isang paksa. He's the expert here, not us. 
So let's start with the Pearl of the Orientation. So we're all on the same page. Ano nga ba ang folklore at paano ito naiiba sa mythology? General yung salitang folklore, yung yung tinatawag din natin sa Filipino na kaalamang bayan o alambayan. Ang myth ay highly sacred. So hindi basta kung sino-sino ang pwedeng magkwento niyan. So madalas ang mga uh, chanter o, no, o yung mga shaman o yung mga babaylan lang yung maari At lagi silang nasa konteksto ng isang sagradong ritual. Whereas folk tales are stories that are passed on through oral tradition, changing and being shaped by the people that tell the stories. Because only certain people could tell the myths, these stories stay consistent. But that also explains why Filipinos everywhere know at least one aswang story, but don't really know as much about the indigenous deities in our mythologies like Pathala, Mayari, or Apulaki. At baka dahil dito kaya hindi masyadong popular, ano yung mga gods na nasa higher echelon kasi yung function nila ay hanggang naroon lang doon sa mga sacred ritual yung nakakarating sa folk ano doon sa mga ordinaryong tao ay yung mga tauhan yung mga character yung mga creature yung mga archetypes ano at yung mga motif na naroon ngayon doon sa tinatawag na folktale myth teoria na karamihan sa mga kwento sa folktale ay galing din sa myth pero parang desacralized na sila so, kinuha na sila out of that very sacred function para magkaroon na ng mas everyday, mundane function katulad ng entertainment. Perfect na example niya ng aswang. Aswang are blood-sucking monsters said to congregate in certain places like Siquijor or Capiz. Although every region in the Philippines has their own version of an aswang. Pero dati, hindi yan uri ng creatures, kundi mayroon talagang specific entity na si Aswang with a capital A. Ang naalala kong particular na kwentong Aswang dito syempre ay yung mito ng Mayon, yung Aswang at Gugurang tale. Okay, so si Gugurang ay isa sa mga ano no, uh, major deity ng Bicol myth. Ang hindi alam ng marami, si Aswang din. Halos may kapantay din na posisyon sa kanya, no? Kasi magkapatid lang sila. Pero nagkataon lang na si Gugurang ang nagbabantay sa Mayon, tapos si Aswang ang nagbabantay doon sa Mount Malinaw, na isang minor mountain. <laughs> may ilang mga Bicolano na nagsabi na ang ending kasi nung kwento ng Aswang at Gugurang, uh, parang Prometheus yan. Eh. Ninakaw ni Aswang yung apoy sa Mayon na pag-aari ni Gugurang pero sa bandang huli ay naagaw pabalik ni Gugurang pero bago maagaw ni Gugurang ay napatay niya si Aswang kasi pinatamaan niya ng tiglat parang hindi na nakarating sa collective memory natin si Gugurang unless siguro ikaw ay matandang Bicolano pero ngayon ay cultural memory na lang siguro ng mga Bicolano but it used to be a sacred story na nagpipay ng homage o worship kay Gugurang I mean, if that's how we got fired thanks Aswang then again, another version says Aswang set the earth on fire, so quits lang. In some versions of the story, Gugurang killed Aswang with lightning. But in another version, Aswang didn't die. Lumipat lang siya ng probinsya. Mula sa Albay, lumipat lamang siya ng <laughs> gawing kamarinisor. Lumipat lang siya ng bundok. Aswang, the individual entity, was worshipped by the religious leaders called Babaylan as a sort of death god. They would ask him to end the spread of illnesses in the region. Him moving could also say something about the spread of Aswang folktales. So, ibig sabihin ay, sino yung creature na nakaka-adapt <laughs> sa panahon? Mas si Aswang yung naka-adapt kasi from myth, mukhang siya yung madaling na-assimilate into folktale. 
siya yung nakitaan ng mga tao ng ah eto parang siya yung mas may entertainment value ba parang ganon yan yung ano function talaga ng ng folktale ano magbigay din ng katuwaan sa mga tao So how did Si Aswang go from being an entity that brought fire to the people and a revered god of death to a type of monster, Ang Aswang, that strikes fear into the hearts of people to this day? Yung pagpasok ng pananampalataya ng Kristiyanismo ay yung, yung pagtalikod din natin sa ating mga nito. That means our indigenous ancestor spirits and nature spirits. Alan's guess is that the colonization and conversion of the Philippines from animism to Christianity coincides with our Anito being portrayed as vindictive and vengeful towards the people. If the old gods and spirits were out to get you, all the more reason to turn to Christianity. Dati, si Aswang ay isang diyos na nag-introduce sa tao sa gamit ng apoy. Biglang naging equivalent na ng demonyo. Ipinasok ng simbahan sa kwentong aswang yung narrative ng battle between good and evil. At syempre yung aswang lagi being always on the side of the devil and Satan himself. Ayun na nga, para mawala yung aswang magdadasal ka. <laughs> so now that we have an idea of where our scary monsters come from, let's go into some of the creatures that you probably know from stories on the school bus and stories we told each other on sleepovers. The stories of our most popular monsters have hints of our pre-colonial ancestors' contact with other civilizations in the region. Aktibo tayo noon sa international maritime trade. Uh, yung nakikita kong connection dito ay yung manananggal natin at yung penanggal ng kulturang Malay. Kadalasan din ito babae na nahahati din sa dalawa yung kanyang katawan. Ano? Pero kung yung manananggal natin ay nahahati daw sa waist pababa, yung penanggal naman ay nahahati sa ulo. Pero pag lumipad yung ulo niya, daladala niya yung entrails niya. Kaya the root word is the same, tanggal. In the Philippines, we use it to describe what has been removed. In Malay, tanggal is used to mean what's left behind. Some creatures can show us about the waves of trade that have come before the Spanish, like the tikbalang. A tikbalang is a half-horse, half-man that will lead you astray in the forest if you aren't careful. The tikbalang may connect us to our Hindu past. One of the avatars of Vishnu, a major Hindu deity, is called Hayagriva, a man with a horse's head. The Khmer of Cambodia also had a deity with a horse's head and a human body, Vajimuka. Are you seeing the same pattern here? Yet more proof of our pre-colonial ties with the Hindu empires that flourished in Southeast Asia before the coming of Christianity and Islam. Horses are not native to the Philippines. They were brought by the Spanish. But the stories of a horse-headed entity so close to Hayagriva had to have come from traders from Hindu civilizations, which means we had contact with them long enough to take a sacred story and turn it into a creature of folklore. Now, the creature that haunted my dreams as a child was the Chanak. Oh my god, me too! Chanak is a demon that cries in the woods and attacks the unwary good Samaritans that come to help them. They link us at least linguistically to places like Malaysia and Singapore where they have ponchanaks. Their version, however, is closer to our white lady. It's a woman with long hair and sharp nails and is said to be a woman who died without giving birth to their child. Another example of a folklore creature is the capre, a quiet, hulking, dark-skinned giant that smokes cigars and lives in old trees. But capres rarely, if ever, cause real harm to humans. Where could this story have come from? Something more horrific than the capres themselves is their history. They tie us to the slave trade in the Philippines. Yes, the slave trade came to Manila. The word capre comes from words like cafre 
or Kafri, which means person of African descent. During the Spanish colonial period, many slaves were brought here to work by the Spanish, and they even worked for some Filipinos. According to the Aswang Project, an online educational resource that shares the diverse folklore of the Philippines, this explains the Capres dark skin and love for tobacco. The tobacco was a clue here. It's not an indigenous crop. It was introduced by the Spanish. The Aswang Project links Capres to escaped slaves who would have hidden in trees. And of course, they were silent. They weren't fluent in our languages. The Spanish had a vested interest in keeping Filipinos away from escaped slaves. Without anyone to take care of them, the slaves would have to live off the land or hide in the forests. It would discourage slaves from running away if the Filipinos would not provide safe places for them to stay. Sometimes... The stories behind the monsters reveal the true monsters, the slavers. Filipino folklore, like all folklore around the world, serves a purpose. Folk stories teach values and caution in a language folks of all ages can understand. Like Cinderella, be kind even to those who aren't. Or Hansel and Gretel. Be wary of strangers offering you candy. Or the Pied Piper. Don't go with strangers? No, be quick to pay back your freelancers. Our folklore is used to explain phenomena. Yung bakunawa na nangain ng buwan, ganoon pinaliwanag yung eclipse. Yung aswang na nangangain ng bata sa sinapupunan ng ina, maaaring magpaliwanag ng miscarriage. Hindi siya kasalanan ng babae, mayroon kasing kumuha. Kaya... Nakunan. Unexplained deaths are attributed to bangungot. Our monsters show us what people feared, and we fear most losing the things we love. We have so many monsters that attack pregnant women. Perhaps that says what we most deeply wish to protect are our children. And for some people today, folklore is more than literature. It's real. Which is why Alan needs to be sensitive when doing field research. Bilang taga-akadim, ang hinihingi ko sa kanila, folktale. So, siyempre sa atin, maliwanag naman pag sinabing folktale. Fiction siya. Pero yung mga tao, ano ang kinikwento nila ay uh, either nangyari sa kanila o nangyari sa isang kakilala o kaibigan. So, parang ang idea nila ng kwentong aswang ay laging ang tema ay how I survive an aswang attack. There's so much to learn about Filipino folklore. So much that Alan himself said, even after writing all those books, he never runs out of things to study. Which begs the question, how do we begin to learn? Good question, Sab. What were you taught about our Filipino folklore back in grade school? Or were you taught about it at all? No. Everything I learned about Filipino folklore, I learned from books. Or from my friends at lunch talking about the duendes who lived in old trees. When I was in grade school and high school, we studied Filipino folktales, but it was mostly about how things came to be. The legend of the Sampagita, the legend of Mount Mayon, maraming love stories, to be honest. Pero wala masyado tungkol sa mga aswang. Yung mga halimaw at creatures, natutunan ko sa mga True Filipino Horror <laughs> Stories Volumes 1 to 10. Shout out! Actually, that was part of my childhood too. I love those books. And from every book fair we had, I got one of those. Alright, so we asked Alan if folklore should be studied more frequently in school. And this is what he said. Definitely, yes. Pero tingin ko kinakailangan din mag-aral ng mga guro at ng mga folklorists din natin kung paano yung pinaka-effective na pedagogical strategy 
para mapahalagahan din ng mga bata yung yung pag-aaral nila sa folklore. Natatandaan ko nung bata talaga ako nung grade school days ako ay sa amin yung textbook namin na, na ang laman ay koleksyon ng mga kwentong Filipino. Parang hindi namin siya tinitingnan bilang textbook, ano? Parang tinitingnan namin siya bilang parang treat sa amin bilang mga bata. So yun, yung kinakailangan lang nating mag-isip ng magandang approach. And reading folklore is just the start. Kaunting silip, kumbaga sa bintana, ano, kung sino tayo, ay yung kombinasyon ng kung ano yung kayang ibigay sa atin ng, ng kasaysayan by way of historical documents, kung ano ang kayang ibigay din sa atin ng archaeology ano, by way of mga cultural artifacts, at kung ano yung nagsusurvive pa sa atin by way of oral tradition sa pamamagitan ng kung ano yung naririyan ngayon sa pamamagitan ng folklore. So pag pinagsama-sama mo yung uh, mga interest ng mga tao dito sa tatlong bagay na ito, pwedeng mag-offer sila sa atin ng isang alternatibong paraan, I would say, ng pagkilala kung sino tayo na bilang isang kabihasnan. The interest sparked by Budget Tan Stresse, first as comics and now as a Netflix series, is a good omen. Ako ay Stresse fan na noong una pa, bago siya lumabas sa Netflix, yung bookstore kung saan lumalabas yung Stresse, ay para kung doon ako talaga paminsan-minsan tumatambay para mag-abang ng, ng pinakabagong issue. Nakakatuwa yung Stresse dahil makikita mo doon yung nagbukas kasi si Budget Tan ano, ng mga posibilidad ano, ng Paano pa pwedeng i-imagine itong mga creature na ito? Trese is another way of sparking interest in our folklore and updating it for modern audiences. The hype around Trese also made us all so proud to see something that's ours streaming on an international platform. Marang, yes, that's our tikbalang. Wouldn't it be great to see more of that? And we don't just mean season 2. Now, it's time for Kwento Corner, where we end each episode with a random story we think you like. Did you know, there is someone in Malacanang Palace. Even the former President Benigno Aquino III respected while he was in office. Have you heard of Mr. Brown? Mr. Brown is the name of a capre who lives in a hundred-year-old balete tree at the entrance to Malacanang. Don Michael Perez Rubio, former President Pinoy's chief protocol officer, never forgot to greet him when entering Malacanang because failing to do so meant Mr. Brown would play tricks on him. But don't worry, while Mr. Brown has scared some people around Malacanang, he's generally known as a benevolent capre. Also, His tree has been declared a heritage tree and will be preserved for generations to come. I wonder if Mr. Brown has bothered anyone from the current administration. We'll never know, but apparently he likes to be acknowledged every time he passes tree, or else he'll make you trip on wires or fall down. Little things, but enough that Ruby always greeted Mr. Brown when passing by. Everyone has superstitions that they keep to. I have basketball-related ones. If my team is losing, I need to switch seats and change clothes. Really? I still say tabi-tabi po whenever I'm in a heavily wooded area. I guess some weird, uncynical part of me still wants to believe in fairies. Aw, that's kind of beautiful. But utterly unscientific. Well, that's folklore. Class dismissed. 
Subscribe to WhatsApp at Aling Panlipunan Rebooted on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. Tell us your Aswang stories or sightings. Add us on Twitter at History Rebooted, on Facebook.com slash History Rebooted, and on Instagram at History.Rebooted. Once again, I'm Siege Tantenko, Puma Podcast. I'm on social media at Siege The Day. C-E-E-J The Day because I think you should seize the day. And I'm Sab Schnabel, Puma Podcast. I'm on Twitter at Sabrina Schnabel, that's S-C-H-N-A-B-E-L, rhymes with fable. This episode of What's Up, Araling Panlipunan Rebooted was produced by Diosa Quinones and edited by Nina Toralba. Art by Trix Casillan. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.